You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. In this episode, we are going to go over our sleepers. Now, what do we mean by sleepers. It seems like everybody has a different definition of what a sleeper is. What we're using for this episode is guys who are going relatively late that not too many people are hyped on. Otherwise, they'll be going earlier. So, you know, we're kind of using a general range of like after the 10th round, 11th round-ish, uh, and more so guys who are just like going like right at the end of drafts. Those are the kind of guys that we're focusing on for the most part. Um, but first, we're going to get into the rapid recap. Take it away, Zach. So Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett says that they're putting Albert Okawebenam, quote unquote, all over the place in their offense in relief of Tim Patrick following his season ending injury. What is Albert O's ceiling in this Broncos offense in 2022? Could a top 10 finish be on the way? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think especially with the Tim Patrick injury, you know, what we talked about before, like last week when Tim Patrick got hurt, was that this is going to be a pretty top heavy target distribution between Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Uh, but Albert O is right there as as that potential third option after those guys. Um, and I'm not really looking at Russell Wilson's you know prior usage of tight ends. I, I don't think that's necessarily like a sticky uh, metric to look at in terms of like who's going to get targeted. Um, right. I do look at the system. I do look at the words by the head coach. Uh, and I do look at the fact that Albert O is one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. They moved Noah Fant. Um, and now it's very possible that he's running a route on 100% or, you know, close to 100% um, of dropbacks. So those are the things that I'm looking at, right? And if a tight end is, is running that many routes on an offense that's supposed to be pretty good and can potentially be a red zone target, yeah, he's somebody that we should be targeting as a late round tight end who can easily make his way into the top 10. And I wouldn't be surprised if it is, if it does end up top six, top seven, top eight finish. Listen, if Dalton Schultz could do it, Albert O can do it. I see. So throwing shots at my boy Dalton Schultz. Anyway, I agree. <laughs> targets in the Broncos offense, they're definitely likely to be less distributed without Tim Patrick. Albert Okwebenom is a guy that I've kind of had pinned to take on that displaced workload since Tim Patrick went down. He's an athletic tight end. He's as athletic as you'll find, I think, in the NFL. But he's just been buried behind the depth chart, uh, behind Noah Fant during his time in Denver. This could very easily be a breakout situation for Albert O, especially with Russell Wilson throwing him the ball. I think this will be the best quarterback that he's had in his career so far. 
And um, he's one of my favorite late tight end targets. I took him in that one mock draft we did the other day. The other day. I, I think I took him a little high, but I was okay with reaching on him because the situation, I think, just got a lot better. Now, obviously, we don't want to you know, say that the situation got better because someone got hurt. But Tim Patrick goes down. It definitely opens up a lot of volume for Albert Okawebanam. Uh, it sounds like he'll almost be used as a replacement for Tim Patrick as opposed to just a traditional hand-in-the-dirt tight end. I think that they have designs to use him. Maybe even I think we could see him out of the slot just because of how athletic he is. I could totally see that. I mean, KJ Hamler, you know, he's still, you know, he still has a brace on, right? He's not running at 100% right now. Obviously, he's somebody that could, you know, man the slot. He can man the flanker. Uh, but in terms of that tight end who could potentially, like you said, be on the field for every play, uh, even out of the slot. Listen, if his head coach is saying it, if he's going to be the play caller as well. Uh, I think it's definitely possible that that happens, uh, especially, you know, while KJ Hamler, you know, is returning to that 100% mark. So another report, Eno Benjamin seems to be catching the eye of a few people at Cardinals camp, with head coach Cliff Kingsbury noting that he's been, quote-unquote, really impressed with Benjamin so far. Could Eno Benjamin possibly step into a role like Chase Edmonds had in 2021, or does that belong to Daryl Williams? And does this report change anything about the way that you view James Conner? I think I am less high on James Conner now than I was, and not because of this particular report, um, but just you know, just kind of looking at how these roles can shape up. Um, You know, I love James Conner in the third still. I think I'm still going to have James Conner in my top 10 in terms of, you know, uh, uh, running back rankings. Um, And I don't think that, you know, Benjamin is going to take Chase Edmonds role last year because what Chase Edmonds role last year was, was he was, Chase Edmonds was actually the one A in this backfield, you know, and James Conner was the one B and kind of that goal line guy who would play only on early downs. Um, But I do think that, James Conner is going to be the 1A in this offense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, Benjamin could potentially play a role that play the role that Chase Edmonds was playing in 2020 when he was the 1B, 1B to Kenyon Drake, right? Kenyon Drake was playing that early down role. Uh, and I think that's the role that, that um, James Conner is going to play uh, this year. Now, there is a possibility that, you know, Benjamin is on the field for, for a two-minute offense, uh, you know, for for the rest of the hurry up, potential third longs, that sort of thing, that will hurt James Conner just a little bit. And I do think it's very possible that Benjamin plays that role. But Conner, I think, had like 39 targets last year. And I think 35 of them came on early downs. So, you know, James right. Conner is still going to be running a lot of routes on early downs. And in his catch percentage was the highest in the league among all running backs uh, with those type of target numbers. He was very efficient, you know, in the passing game as well. So I don't think that's going to go away. Uh, he was averaging five catches per game without Edmonds last year. So, you know, I, and by the way, like I know one of the major arguments, you know, against James Conner is that, hey, he's not going to score that many touchdowns again. And I totally get it. But the problem is that we cannot label him touchdown dependent just because he scored a lot of touchdowns. If he's caught you five, if he caught five passes a game, and we're, and we're going to expect something similar next year, by definition, he's not touchdown dependent because he's getting twenty plus touches a game, including five catches per game. So that 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 his floor uh, is high, um, and any touchdowns on top of that is just gravy, right? And he's going to score a bunch right. of touchdowns, right? Like Kenyon Drake. If you, if you guys remember, he scored a ton of touchdowns in 2020 also. Like, this offense, the running backs are going to score touchdowns. So, uh, I wouldn't assume that he won't. But, yeah, he, he might not hit 18. But, you know, he, he's going to be fine. 
Uh, but yes, I do think that you know Benjamin can play a role here. I'm not worried about Dow Williams playing that third down role. Uh, I, I don't think he's like immensely talented, but I do think that Dow Williams, you know, can be very fantasy relevant. Um, if James Conner were to go down with an injury, potentially taking over that role, uh, you know, from him, and it's possible Benjamin also, if, if they're very impressed with Benjamin too, Dale Williams might, might not be that one for one handcuff that a lot of people, including myself, you know, potentially thought that he could be, you know, in later rounds. So I'm, I, I'm kind of avoiding Dale Williams at this point. Right. I, I agree with everything that you just said. I think that, you know, just kind of piggybacking off of what you said with whether an injury would happen or not. If James Conner would go down, maybe it would be Daryl Williams. If Daryl Williams would go down, maybe Eno Benjamin would kind of fill in. You know, I would actually move him up a little bit. He might be worth um, taking a look at in a really serious pinch, bind. If you don't have anyone to throw in your flex, um, that's just one thing. I mean, if we're talking about Eno Benjamin. as a, When we talk about Eno Benjamin versus, like, James Conner, will James Conner really be feeling any heat from Eno Benjamin getting any workload? I don't think so. I'm not terribly worried about this report at all. Uh, I'm sure James Conner haters will try to skew this to some way to uh, suggest that, you know, Benjamin's going to get a large enough workload to make Conner's ADP too rich. But at the end of the day, I think the Cardinals are happy having acquired Daryl Williams to back up James Conner. I don't think, you know, Benjamin's going to be much of a factor. Um, as we get closer to the season, I just advise not getting caught up in reports like this. Um, Conner's a clear number one, and I think he'll be utilized as such. I don't think that my views on James Conner are changing at all unless something would happen, yeah. you know, much more drastic. Yep. All right, so the next report, we're going back into the Deshaun Watson well. Roger Goodell and the NFL are seeking a longer suspension for Deshaun Watson than the six games handed down already, making an already murky outlook for Watson even murkier. Given the uncertainty surrounding his potential punishment, would it make sense to just avoid Deshaun Watson altogether for 2022? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't drafting him anyway in redraft uh, just because of the fact that if he does get suspended, even for six games, if it goes back to that suspension, you're going to have to hold him on your bench for six weeks. So I wasn't doing that in the first place. He was already right. in a void for me. Uh, I think it really comes down to like guys like Amari Cooper and David Njoku, right? Like, How do you handle those guys, right? You know, you could potentially get Amari Cooper at a serious value right now. Um, mm -hmm. And at least with him, it's like he's going to play, right? It is possible that he is a top 24 wide receiver, even without Deshaun Watson, right? He's not going to have the same upside that he does. He's going to have his weeks. So, you know, it might be worth taking him, right? And then if Deshaun Watson ends up playing this year, you know, 12, 13 games, whatever it is, then you just got yourself a massive value in Amari Cooper, who could potentially be a top 15 wide receiver with Deshaun. Um, you could do that. I might not, just because a lot of the other wide receivers going around that range, that are more short things, potentially have a similar... Uh, you know, profile in terms of upside to Amari Cooper. So I might not do that. But, you know, it really comes down to those guys, you know, rather than, you know, where does Deshaun Watson fall in my rankings or, or whether I, you know, pick him up this season to be my fantasy quarterback. Right. I think that I would also just consider avoiding Deshaun Watson altogether. Um, the legal fight doesn't really have any chance to be resolved in a timely manner. At least I don't think it looks like it does. And if you're drafting today, I, I wouldn't even think about drafting Deshaun Watson. Now, if you've already drafted and maybe you drafted Watson hoping that, you know, the six games would stay, I mean, maybe I would consider holding on to him until we know for sure what the suspension is going to look like. We're still a few weeks out from the season. You can hold him and you'll be okay. But um, on the off chance of that the suspension remains at six games, you'll have your QB1 locked up. 
for when he comes back. Otherwise, you know, I'm just keeping my hands off of Deshaun Watson and I'm approaching drafts as if he isn't even on the board and as if it there isn't even a chance that he plays. I think that's a better way to do it. And there are plenty of other quarterbacks that come with much less headache, even going in the range that he's going at with the suspension on the table. Like, I'd honestly take a shot, rather take a shot on Zach Wilson than um, Deshaun Watson at this point, just because we know Zach Wilson's going to play. So, yeah, right. I don't think it makes much sense to target him as things stand right now. Yeah, I love taking, I love having guys on my bench that have a chance of doing something in, in any given particular week where their value just increase and they're on your team. Right, like nothing is going to happen to Deshaun. If Deshaun Watson does get suspended, let's say it's six games, nothing can happen mm-hmm. week two that will increase Deshaun Watson's value outside of him only having four games left in the suspension. Now, right. if Zach Wilson, you drafted Zach Wilson and he balls out week one, week two, everyone's like, oh, Zach Wilson just took a step forward. His value just went up immensely, and now you have him on your team already. Right, absolutely. And and like you said, you know, you'd rather have a guy that has a chance to appreciate on your bench. Um, I like to have guys that just play. You know what I'm saying? That helps the most. <laughs> yeah, I no, I get that. Yep. Just guys that are going to get on the field. All right. 100%. And then our our last report coming out from our rapid recap. Mark Kabali of The Athletic reports that Najee Harris could see his workload lightened in 2022 relative to his 2021 workload, something along the lines of seven snaps per game less than last season. Is there any reason to be concerned by this potential cutback in workload for Harris, or is this something that you're okay with? That is a super specific number right there. Like, right. What, what was it? Seven snaps per game? Said, is that what it was? Uh, it was estimate like seven snaps per game. That's what the report said. But that's just an estimate. I mean, Interesting. it could be anything. So what is seven times 17? I'm just curious if they had a number. That's 119. So maybe 120. So maybe they were thinking like, all right, we'll reduce his snap count by 120 snaps this mm-hmm. year and then divide it by 17 and then something like that, maybe. I don't right. know. But that's just well, a, Najee a Harris number. also did lead the – he led the league running backs, at least, in snaps per game Yeah. So as a rookie. So this right. could, I think, be a welcome change for him. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you're going from like 95% of snaps to like – 80% of snaps, 75% of snaps, even like even in 75% of snaps, the chances are that he's going to be top three in snap percentage. Mm-hmm. Still going to happen. Right. Right. So, you know, Najee's going to be extremely safe. Now, I'll say this though. Okay. The floor for Najee Harris is not Najee Harris last year. Okay. Um, yeah. The floor for Najee Harris is David Montgomery last year. Okay. David Montgomery, similar type of role. Okay. 70% of snaps, 75% of snaps, every down back, didn't have a huge ceiling, but was on the field for every play, bad offense. That is his floor right now. Okay, so just want to kind of, that's, that's the, one of I the reasons why right. I'm not targeting Najee Harris in the first round, uh, because last year he had one of the highest workloads of all time, but, you know, still didn't finish, like, ridiculously high, right? Um, yeah. He obviously, you know, was very consistent every single week. But, you know, as far as upside goes, if you're chasing that upside, Najee Harris wouldn't be the pick for me. Um, but in terms of this report right here, like, yeah, sure. Like, if his snaps get reduced, you know, he's still going to be top three, top four, you know, top five maybe, you know, in snap percentage. Um, and I'm not, I'm not worried about it at all. Because, like, the delta between him and the next guy uh, on that roster is really, really high. <laughs> so, like, right. I, I don't think that is going to be a big deal. Uh, for him to just miss a few snaps. 
Yeah, I, that's exactly my notes. That last point, especially, like I said, like Benny Snell is so far from uh, Najee Harris's skill set. Like, we don't have yeah. to worry about anyone coming up the depth chart behind him and you know stealing any work. Um, I'm not concerned no. about Najee Harris having his workload cut back a bit. Um, he was relatively inefficient with the ball in his hands on the ground. I think it was the 74 receptions on 94 targets last year that really kept him afloat and propelled him to his RB3 finish last year. Um, like I said, he led all running backs in snap share and snaps per game. Um, I think they're just going to be pulling him off the field, really, on downs where you know maybe he didn't need to be on the field last year and yeah. a passing right. down. Like, you know, it'll register as a snap that he was on the field, but he didn't actually do anything besides, you know, pick up a block. Um, I think that's yeah. kind of where most of those touches and most of those snaps, not touches, yeah, most of those snaps are going to come from this year that they take him off the field. Um, I think his projection, in my mind, is exactly the same as it was even before this report. I'm not worried about it because he was used so much. Take a little bit off of that. He's still, you know, so much. He gets so much volume anyway. Um, I'd be concerned right. if there's a guy like Kareem Hunt or Tony Pollard behind him, but like I said, there's not. So I think even they get him off the field for those snaps, you know, it, it might actually make him more efficient. He might be a little bit better rested, you know, and I don't want to speculate on him getting yeah. more efficient, but it, it could be, you know, like we'll just have to see how, how it goes.